Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Dimitar Kirchev. I would like to welcome you to our seventh episode of Trading Patterns. With me is Mr. Nikolai Stoikov. Hello, Hel Mr. Stoikov. Hello, Mr. Kirchev, and hello to all of the audience. Right. So, today's episode is going to be something that a lot of people want us to talk about. A lot of people want that topic, topic for a very long time. Uh, we should be naming the episode Trading Fundamentals. Okay. That's going to be the official name. Right. But we could name it Trading Beyond the Obvious too. <laughs> <laughs> beyond the Obvious for you. <laughs> <laughs> for most people, I'd say. Okay. All right. So ever since we started the podcast, yes. a lot of listeners ask me, hey, Dimitar, I have this amount of money. What do you think I should do with it? Ask your okay. co-host, what should I do with that amount of money? And I'm conflicted because there's clearly a difference between investing and trading. Okay. I usually tell them what Warren Buffett tells them to buy the SPY. Yes. The people that don't know, that have no idea what to do with their money. Okay. I, yeah. That, but that's like 100% of the people. <laughs> <laughs> I would like this episode to be more oriented towards the people that trade for a living. Okay. That there's swing traders or day traders, okay. however you want to call it. So I realize that right now, you're not a day trader. No. You're, you're more like an investor. You control other yes. people's money that have a pretty long horizon. Yes. Investment horizon. Yes. Yeah. So, but but you were a trader. Yes. I was an active trader for a while. I was never really a day trader, but very active trader. And I was a market maker at uh, the first several years of my career, which means that I kind of turned over portfolio practically on a daily basis. Yeah. You did a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> As a money, money maker, uh, market maker, I'm sorry. <laughs> you were a Hopefully money maker. both. <laughs> 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 All right. So what should a trader do? How? Sh Let's start from the very beginning. What should a trader be looking for? What he should Please try looking. to abstract yourself from the investment. Right. Um, there was... Um, if I have to kind of summarize all the things that one can do wrong, there's going to myriads of things. And first of all, like trading is very hard. You need to have an edge over people. That's kind of what people assume. But I was thinking over the last several days when we were talking about the episode, what's the essence? What's the essence that... Uh, most people go wrong, or may, maybe when I went wrong for like you know a very long time in my career, and when I went wrong, oh, I can summarize it. I was looking for an arbitrage. I was looking to get excessive returns, putting as little effort as possible. And we're gonna be talking about something specific. Uh, for example, we're pitching to clients to buy certain bonds, like Romanian government bonds. But before I could discover and decide whether I want to buy Romanian government bonds, I had to learn about Romania. I went to Wikipedia, I've researched it, I've researched the country, I've researched like the economy and stuff like that. The demographics and everything. Everything. And there is like, you know, there is kind of like a, a very clear like relationship. Look, uh, sometimes you get lucky and you can make money without learning something new about the product. And sometimes, even if you learn something very deep about the product, you could lose money. But on average, on average, you make just as much money as correlated with the effort that goes into the research. 
and the trader is looking for an arbitrage. She's always looking for excessive returns and putting it as little effort as possible. Give me a free trade. Give me something that's going to make 100% and I don't have to uh, work or research it that much. So the, that's the essence of the core of the many mistakes that people active on like you know investors um, make in the markets that like look you could make money without consistently learning something new about the things you're trading and that's clearly impossible it's clearly impossible when people say trading is extremely difficult do they say that it's really difficult from the from the technical point of view or is it difficult because our nature is to be instant gratification monkeys and we want somebody else to give us the trade to accomplish it to accomplish success with as little effort as possible is it actually difficult or <laughs> it's the it's a it's a psychology problem i mean uh, the uh, as i said the errors are very complex uh, the most important error is that we are not just instant gratification monkeys we uh, kind of tend to conform to the opinions of others so in that particular sense like you think about it like monkeys that kind of strayed away from like the group or the herd didn't survive uh, something deep inside us actually wants to be part of the herd we want to be part of the majority of the people part of like you know the crowd whether you go like dancing or whether you go to like a stadium and those this kind of conformity um kind of like tendencies uh, people are not aware of and but you are by nature there's something in you that wants to conform that wants to find consensus and bet that way and since you're not aware of it this comes up uh, stays hidden but it's there so people feel very comfortable uh, when other people uh, feel the same way about the position but that's actually very dangerous. <laughs> yeah, didn't you say a few episodes ago that that's in order right. to make money, yes. you need to, yeah. So different. first one, you, you need to uh, kind of admit the fact that, look, there's something in me that wants to join the crowd. And what are the habits and what are the things that kind of need to control this thing? And it feels very comfortable to bet with the crowd. When everybody's betting, it's like, you know, it actually feels good. It's, it feels like as if you're actually going together towards goal. But that's actually very dangerous. Best trades are when you're alone. If you start finding yourself having a company with your trading ideas, um, well, they could make money, but they're unlikely to make a lot of money. Okay. When somebody writes trading patterns, obviously our podcast is not the first one to show okay. a lot of yes. <laughs> a lot of actual trading patterns. Yes. Um, from a technical analysis point of view. Yeah, I keep laughing at those. <laughs> <laughs> so you, well, that's what that's what uh, the next question is going to be. Um, is there any value in the technical analysis when it comes to patterns? And should traders be looking at charts or should they backtest? Actually, the topic about backtest, it feels like it needs to be a completely different episode because a lot of people don't even know how to backtest properly. <laughs> but <laughs> a lot of people don't have the skills that they do. Let me give you a, a, like a very clear example. So, for example, a trader um, comes in and says, look, I uh, want to trade Euro USD, some sort of like a swing trading or something like that. And I said, okay, uh, have you backtested it? And he said, yes. I said, how did you backtest it? Well, 
mental backtesting. <laughs> oh, mental backtesting. Okay, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, first of all, before you start trading, and if you're going to be serious about the backtesting, it's like you have to learn to how to program. Then, second of all, is that uh, you, you're going to have to clean up your data, and that's very difficult. But uh, trader actually doesn't um, doesn't want to put any effort into that, and uh, instead just. Uh, go straight into trading with some sort of like a very vague idea of what his trading system is. When I first started to backtest for a period, like, you know, I don't know, several months that I was backtesting, I thought that I was going to have like X entries and uh, exits. I had X times five entries and exits when I first wrote my code. So clearly, <laughs> I had underestimated uh, how, like, you know, how my, uh, how complex was my logic. I was like, oh, that's pretty simple. We should backtest this. This is a very simple trend following strategy. Turns out yeah. that it wasn't so simple. It wasn't so simple. It took me a week to complete it. I, was f I thought it was going to be like five hours. Like, you know, Saturday, I'll just do it. No, it took a week. <laughs> it took a week to actually figure out what exactly was trading and to put it on actually um, a computer program. And that's very informative. That's very informative. And if you don't do that, if you don't do that, over the long run, um, I doubt that you're actually going to make money. So, of course, over the short term, you could make it. But yes, you need to know exactly what you're trading and it needs to be written out. It's not like 100% sure that this is going to be uh, like helpful. But if you don't do that, uh, you have no chance in the market. Yeah, you're doomed basically without. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Back to the technical analysis. Do you think there's value in the technical analysis? Should A lot of traders seems to be confused whether they should pay attention to fundamental analysis or mostly technical or some mixture of the two. I... Uh, I think there is value to technical analysis to the way that like uh, technical analysis helps you uh, kind of tell how other people would act. So in, uh, in other words, uh, that okay, if technicals, technical analysis tells you that uh, price action is bearish, you know that most people would be like looking to short. Um, technical analysis is not going to help you make good entries and exits but it's going to tell you when it's safe and what like the consensus is like what most other people are doing the best trades happen when you actually have a fundamental signal and you think or you come up with some sort of a strategy that tells you that the technicals are going to ch change very soon just because the fundamentals change first imagine this is the sun as the sun is like rising in terms of um, kind of like the seasonality, the day, um, the daylight increases and peaks in June, while the temperature peaks in July. So in that particular sense, there is a delay in some sort of temperature, but we know that sunlight is actually decreasing. So sooner or later, that uh, temperature levels are going to begin to drop and they begin to drop late August, early September. So in that particular sense, the fundamental factors, which is the sun or the daylight, is leading, but actual kind of like, you know, price action, what happens in the market, has a delayed effect. So in order to have the best possible entries and exits, you need to follow the sun 
but uh, and not wait for the temperatures to actually turn around. N but most people are going to wait for the temperature to turn around, for the technicals to turn around. And when that do, it kind of shortens your possible payout. You could wait. So uh, the technical analysis is, yeah, obviously lagging because it's yes. it's based it, on the price. Technical analysis is what the crowd uses. So it's like if the best returns are available only to those tr that actually uh, ignore the crowd, when the crowd turns in the position that you want to take, uh, opportunities could be scarce. They could be there. They could be there and you could add and maybe you could add, like, you know, but it's not going to be easy or abundant. Uh, the best possible kind of entries, uh, you probably would have missed it. You probably would have missed it. Okay. Uh, another type of no. strategy, something that traders seem to be discussing whether they should do or not. Uh -huh. Should the trader try to get the best entry or should he implement averaging down? He should average. He should, he should average. average. It's... Uh, it's it's like basically it's like you don't want to depend on the, you don't want to depend on the, like one particular day and you don't want to say that okay this is going to be the bottom just just average and this is very hard for like most traders because uh, in the beginning people average and they get burned and they get the advice look you don't average down you only average up turn like in the direction that you want to do and you need to like do some sort of um, stops and to follow your stops. And the reason why you do want to follow your stops is because you entered at once. <laughs> you didn't leave any room <laughs> to like average down. <laughs> so it's not that kind of successful investors don't use stops. They just are more sensible exiting and entering. And they're deeply aware that the best possible entries happen when the crowd or the technical analysis tells people to go the opposite way so they just leave capital and average and yeah and that those are like you know usually those things um have the most potential most potential all right and how what should a trader do to cope with the drawdown especially uh, when he's averaging well ignore the market ignore, that, ignore the market yeah ignore the market i mean yeah that's that's what you need to learn in, in terms of like Look, if the sun daylight is going down and you can see that the daylights are getting shorter, what do you care if, like, you know, it gets like a um, July heat wave or August heat wave? You know it's going to turn around. It's always going to turn around. Yeah, most, most people, or most successful investors don't really pay attention to the market that much, that much. Interesting. It, yeah, yeah, you just ignore it. Yeah, <laughs> 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 that's something I bet nobody expected to hear. Yeah, I mean, what are you gonna learn? Like people go go berserk. Like I mean, people go berserk. Yeah, so that's right. just noise, just distracting noise. noise. Yeah, it's like you know, well, when you know that daylight is shortening, it's like okay, <laughs> yeah, it could be a heat wave, but it's not gonna last. Uh, just because the fundamental factor is telling you, look, um, if uh, sun is like shining less on the surface of the earth, there's no way that those high temperatures are going to persist. And this is the time when people usually can't imagine that the winter is going to come, but it's going to come. So yes, um, it comes to the kind of level of conviction you have in your fundamental factors. But yes, making a decision uh, entirely on te technicals is what I call lovely 
mountain of stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> mountain of stupidity. <laughs> yes. And that's, maybe, that's for people that only use technical analysis. Yes, that's like peak of the mountain of stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I used to be that type of person. Well, it's because everybody follows it. I mean, it's like look around and you say like, look, uh, it's not that I don't use technical analysis, but again, I use this precisely for this to gauge what other people are thinking. And uh, So you use, use it just to read the market, just yeah, to, to read, read what other people do. Yeah, to, to, to ex like, okay, w is, are people going to like, you know, are scared that they're going to likely to show it in your rally? Are we going to have multiple uh, bottoms? And yeah, like, you know, those are all kinds of things that uh, can, like, one, uh, yeah, one of the things that you could do is like, um, just follow like the 50 or 200 day moving average for, let's say, for SPY. And many people think with the 50 day moving average, it goes under 200 day average. They call it the cross of death. <laughs> yeah, I've heard those golden cross, <laughs> the cross of death. Yeah, so I pay attention to like things like that in terms of like how, a markets are going to potentially change in the future, the price action, but that has no bearing on my entries or exits. It's like my entries or exits are based off something else. I'm just going, okay, if this thing crosses the 50 over 200 day, we can expect a serious change in the behavior of people, um, kind of like the people that are on the sidelines, uh, which way they're going to go. Uh, and people that don't decide that always want to go with the winner. So if the 50-day cross is a 201 direction, you know that um, kind of price action, daily price action could actually change dramatically. But uh, it, it's meaningless and it's a fundamental kind of input. Yeah, that means nothing. It's not predictive. I mean, if there is a recession, like that happens before the recession, but just because the 50 day crosses 200 day doesn't mean we're going to have a recession. Okay. What would you do? What would be your repertoire when you would go to the office? What would be your schedule trading schedule? Trading schedule. Wow. Yeah. When well, I was trading or now? First things. Well, let's say now. Okay. Now. Yeah. What do you look at first? My daily routine is, um, probably varies but uh, the most important indicators is i follow the positions that we have so like i try to catch up in terms of news in the special regions uh, there's certain markets i trade and all the markets that are outside of that i actively try to ignore and this is like a very difficult lesson that i had to learn look you choose your markets you choose so wait if you trade the u.s market you ignore let's say the uk uh, uh yeah, yeah. There's, there's no point there's no point the uk is just a small economy and uh, maybe we are involved in european markets and uh, u.s markets so uh, i may follow what happens with the FTSE or the nikkei in terms of like how they performed but i don't need read any excessive news i don't really you don't base any of your trades yeah i don't really base on it. it's like so they have like you know political drama in uk i, I ignore that you know it's like you know that's of no consequence to me so i in, this, in that particular sense like there is certain amount of information you could digest and it's very important that you don't overload yourself. Of course, there is a possibility that something happened in the UK uh, could be important. But in general, I don't try to follow 50 countries. 
I don't try to like you know watch every soccer game or every NBA game and try to get onto the action and stuff like that. So the most important thing is to keep your consciousness clean and avoid kind of like going to the sports pages, avoid going to like you know learning about some sort of like Ebola virus in Africa and stuff like that. So just keep your focus on the markets and on the securities that you're trading and actively try to shut out anything else that's kind of like you know just for fun just for fun grows into like big distraction so yes my routine is basically follow the fundamental data uh, see where bonds are trading it seems like yields are very important follow the different yield curves in europe and us um follow like some sort of uh, emerging market economies how are the yield curves doing uh, so yeah that's kind of like almost like the first thing i do for the first hour of the day i just follow bond yields around the world all right what about uh follow-up like do you have a, a journal something like that and what's your I opinion about this <laughs> right right i uh used to uh, Try to keep a journal. Uh, keeping a journal is actually very, very, very important. And over the last several, let's say, weeks, maybe months, uh, we started doing some sort of like a, a large securities blog where I describe my trades. And well, uh, you're actively describing your trades there. Yes, I'm actively describing my trades. Check out the blog. <laughs> right. Uh, um, It's been very helpful uh, because um, there's there's basically like you know the various reasons why people fail in trading, and the one of the fundamental most important reason why they fail is they actually don't describe the trades. Um, they try to keep some sort of a journal and kind of like you know and say oh this is my enterprise this is my stop and that's my target, and. For the lack of kind of better description, um, is maybe we should go back to this where the, where I ask an employee to actually create an Excel spreadsheet, and I said make it pretty, make it blowjob worthy, so that when the girl sees that Excel spreadsheet, she actually might get inspired to give you a fucking blowjob, and you know what he produced. A disaster. <laughs> <laughs> no job, no blowjob worthy. <laughs> not blowjob worthy. Not even like kiss worthy. It's like uh, it's like, huh? And uh, kind of like the trading ideas that some people, most traders have, and the effort they go into describing it. If you describe your trade to a girl, is she going to be impressed? Maybe she wants to see different colors and stuff like that. And it's very important to like put effort into your description of what you think is going to happen and keep track record of how realistic your um, kind of um, thinking was at the time. But unless you make it uh, kind of physically attractive, or at least some sort of like a, um, at least nice to read, you're not going to be attracted to go back and review all the things you listen you're gonna or you fought so basically some sort of a journal or blog and if an active trader probably can't describe all your trades but they're big trades and small trades and maybe you could describe your big trade or your biggest trades biggest positions why did you do it what do you think happened so just Stating I bought this at this price and I sold it at this price is simply not enough. Th that's not going to get you a blowjob. Do you think that's going to get you a blowjob? 
Probably think so. not. Yeah. Probably not. I mean, my experience is that, like, you know, it's very, it's, it, it's like, this is what people, I think, that really separates people that stay in this business and uh, those that don't. Um, people that focus on the details of the trade, not just, like, the big picture. In the sense of, like, for, for example, like, you know, just describe you how I actually discovered Romania bonds. So I went and uh, started researching the company, uh, the country, and started looking around, reading what's going on. I know the bonds are trading cheap, but why are they trading cheap? And then I started comparing um, Romanian euro bonds with Romanian dollar bonds. And what I realized is that Romanian euro bonds and Romanian dollar bonds are trading at the same yield. And usually there is like a 2% difference. So US dollar denominated bonds are trading um, 2 percentage points cheaper in terms of yield than euro denominated bonds in practically every country except for Romania. I'm like, that's very strange. How? And then I started to compare Euro-denominated bonds with USD-denominated bonds with local Romanian currency, Romanian Lira bonds. And they're basically trading at the same yield. And I was like, that's super strange. What type of scenario do you think, Mr. Kirchhoff, that can occur? What type of scenario do you think that could occur? It's very obvious. For example, if you buy gold and silver on margin and gold goes down 20% and silver goes down 40% and you need additional money for margin, what are you going to sell? You're going to sell the gold just because like, you know, for <laughs> silver is down. Many of the uh, Romanian banks are having a margin call. They need to raise money and they're basically selling indiscriminately and they're selling everything. So yes, like you know, they they don't want to sell their Romanian. Uh, at what discount did you buy them? I th think I bought them at three percent discount to their fair value, at least, at least. So I think that they should be at least three percentage point per year. Um, I think. I well, think for uh, what maturity? Around five to seven years. Uh -huh. So we basically kind of uh, loaded up a bit. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, the important thing is that like uh, it's it, it's like it's not it's not the kind of like the finding some sort of value like in the sense that the sheet monkey could see like look Romania has a investment grade rating it's trading cheap it's finding why it's trading cheap and what's the thing to buy of course you could buy a Romanian Lee bond you could buy USD denominated bonds but it turns out that the, the best value is in euro denominated bonds and you need to kind of like you know dig in so in that particular sense like a trader just sees something cheap, but he doesn't understand why it's cheap. He shouldn't buy it. Well, you could buy it, but it gives you a lot more comfort and a lot more security to know why it's cheap. I mean, something that's cheap is like, you know, potentially could go up, but when you understand why it's cheap, you feel more secure and gives you like, you know, some sort of like a grading range, like, you know, hey, you could, in, any of those bonds are probably cheap, but the cheapest one is euro denominated bonds and like you know understanding why what's the dynamics um those those are kind of like you know the parameters that explain to you like you know what's going on so you have like a deeper deeper understanding of like you know uh, who the other people are who are the sellers i mean the sellers know those bonds are cheap why are they selling according to you mr kirchhoff because they have to 
Because the <laughs> why would they have to? Because the Romanian National Bank is telling them, like, you know, get your leverage down. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and they can't find uh, foreign investors uh, that are willing to quickly um, allocate that much money uh, to the sector. It's the end of the year, and the sectors have like you know pretty brutal years. So fixed income investors are not eager to allocate money. So they're just basically like you know having a brutal year. So, <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. It's um, it's one of the synchronicity when when the market goes away, when market goes like you know uh, what you call berserk in New York. You seem to like that word, Mister Kilcher. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, <laughs> when market go uh, dislocated um, in the sense that like you know there's a the market could go under stress and trade on the same level, but once it exceeds that stress, something that breaks. Uh, prices could go pretty much at a totally different level. And kind of this is kind of like, imagine this is like if you're tearing a muscle. So muscle could contract uh, and extend, but once you tear a muscle, recovery is like, you know, uh, kind of painful and very, um, um, could be very long. So in that particular sense, when market gets broken in particular security, um, yeah, like uh, price action is actually out of this world. And in my view, this is one of the best trades in the sector. There could be other better trades, but this is like one of the best trades in the sector I see right now. Would an ordinary trader be able to spot this on? Probably he'll miss it. I mean, this is some sort of a mar marginal market. He may know about it, but in terms of actually being able to follow it and see the when liquidation happens, I mean, well, bonds are already up. So we basically bought some bonds at 82 the 88 bit today and For my how long i'm sorry how long did that take uh, it took two weeks <laughs> two weeks <laughs> yeah yeah i mean for bonds that's like a monster move so like i, I think the bonds were trading like you know 95 92 that went up real fast yeah i mean bonds are trading a low 90s and then just suddenly like one week they broke down to like 78 80 by that time kind of got all the money ready that we could gather they were trading 80 82 and we bought all we could with uh, around 82 and they're 88 bits today so it's like i think those bonds are going back to like low 90s um maybe 92 93 and potentially it could be like all the way up to 97 100 depending on what happens economically but i was pretty sure that they're going to go back to 90 very fast very fast all right to wrap it up Yes. A trader needs to know the product that he's trading, needs to be very familiar with it. Yes. Needs to pay attention not only to technical analysis, otherwise he's at peak of mount stability. <laughs> yeah. He, <said>. <laughs> he should incorporate fundamental analysis in his repertoire. Toolbox, call it whatever you want. Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, and he should keep a trading journal, which he said is very important. Yeah. A, a blowjob worthy trading journal for all your shit monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> blowjob worthy trading journal. Make it pretty. <laughs> Make it pretty. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a real test. Like, you know, show your journal uh, to like somebody else and see if they're, if they're impressed. And I can tell you that most traders are reluctant to do that. And that's what makes like a winning trader versus losing trader. Yeah, it's not that the winning trader enjoys doing that. To a degree, maybe it's always going to be a burden, but you have to do it. It's a kind of like, you know, the price you pay and it's like uh, to in order to learn more.
to learn more about the things. Once you start making it pretty and you start double checking the numbers, you actually discover a lot of fine details that you would miss if you were just writing this for like your own self. Yeah, make make the trading journal blowjob worthy. Otherwise, this is not going to work. It has gone, has no benefits. Right, and you also said try to dissociate yourself from what the market does if you're in a drawdown. Uh, Follow-up question, if the backtesting was done properly, should mm. that be comforting the trader that he should ignore the market and everything is okay, things might turn around? No. No? No. What do you mean no? <laughs> <laughs> How come no? Uh, I mean, backtesting gives you some sort of a um, kind of like, you know, comfort, but if you're lo using a lot of margin, um, it's kind of like, you know, that, that even if the backtest was with margin. Yes, yes. I mean, it's like, yeah, the reality is like, you know, once you start loading up and doing using a lot of margin, even if you backtest for like a thousand years, which you, you don't, I mean, you have data for like maybe 50 or maybe 40 years. Sometimes, probably less. I mean, a lot yes, of traders, a right. lot of the listeners probably do it for yeah, so 10 times less. <laughs> and then the other thing is that especially if you're leveraging and not like a, sort of a broad ETF or single stock, I mean, yeah, the examples are countless when we're a stock that heavily favored and people start using a lot of leverage is a lot more subject to um, kind of like a stress and extreme moves on the downside. So what you're going to measure is like the stock was never used as leverage. Everybody was trading it in and out, nobody using leverage. And suddenly the stock like is attracting new fast money and everybody uses leverage. And this is not going to be in the in the kind of like in the back test, but that that stock is subject to flash crashes. So, um, in that particular sense, like you know, back testing is not very comfortable, uh, comforting because um, what's making the price action sustainable is the use of leverage by most players. All right, last question for you. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to ask you about crypto because I okay I already know your opinion about it. What I love Forex, it, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, what, I don't. <laughs> what do you mean you don't? A lot of listeners are probably Forex traders. All right. So what should... I, I used to trade Forex. That's good for you. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I was part of the statistics that lost, uh, of people that lost all their money. But um, from your perspective, you were on Wall Street. Are there successful Forex traders? Yes or no? I haven't met any. 20 year plus career and you haven't met a successful forex trader i have met people that are successful for a little bit for some time what, is, what is some time uh, maybe uh maybe like five years four or five years but once you get to see them over the five to ten year track record i'm sorry more like 10 year track record it always uh, goes around zero so they basically have like a few profitable quarters when something moves in the market like for example the japanese yen uh, this year uh, like you know it's kind of predictable that uh, if the u.s uh, yields are going higher the japanese yield uh, yen could be vulnerable so in that particular sense they're probably short treasuries so instead of shorting treasuries you basically short the yen and uh, that could be like you know good trade but uh, kind of like the those trends are very kind of rare and in general um, 
they don't really work out. So once in a while something happens and breaks out, but most often it doesn't. So no to Forex trading from what I understand. No, no. no. <laughs> no I, I mean, uh, there is... For a career as a trader. Yeah, no. You don't allow Forex traders in the company. <coughs> um, we allow them, but we tell them that you're never going to trade the Forex. Uh, it's always like, if you want to come and trade here, We'll teach you how to trade, but uh, we're not going to let you trade Forex. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you very much, Mr. Stoikov. As usual, very valuable information. Hope the listeners value it as well. Yes. Uh, I just want to say that um, we value your questions. And uh, if you have like additional topics that you want me to uh, talk about, I will. But uh, the most important thing is, um, is your habits and your description of trading. Start start writing uh, trades and describing them. And that's going to be of value later on. It's probably not going to be of value immediately, but it's going to be a tremendous value later it's like on. A cumulative effect. Cumulative effect, yes. All right. Well, good luck to all the traders out there. And thank you again, Mr. Stoikov. Thank you, Mr. Kirchhoff. And uh, goodbye to our lovely audience.